0: This is AMA Fantasy Football, the only fantasy football podcast dedicated solely to you, the fans. Email us your questions at amafantasyfootball at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at AMA Fantasy and we guarantee your questions will be answered. Now, here is your host, Ellie Berkovitz. Good afternoon, everybody. Hope you're all staying safe, and welcome to another edition of AMA Fantasy Football. You can find us on Twitter at AMA Fantasy. I am your host, Eli Berkovitz, and you can find me on Twitter at underscore NFL. Today on AMA, as always, we'll be answering all of the fans' questions, as well as playing a new game on AMA called On the Clock. But before we get to the questions and On the Clock and anything else, I am extremely excited and honored to announce that fantasy expert... From the Action Network, Mike Randall will be joining me on the show today. How you doing, Mike?
1: Eli, I'm doing fantastic. We got on the clock. We're going to give you some hot takes. And we're going to hopefully give some people some good advice here on how to win their fantasy
0: leagues. Exactly. I always love the hot takes. Hot, we, need, we need as many hot takes as possible. And, Mike, how have you been... Uh, Dealing with, you know, this new world we're living in, you know, with quarantine and staying indoors and social distancing. How have you been adjusting, keeping yourself busy, stuff like that?
1: It's hashtag find a way. Exactly. This this is the new normal. We've all had time to adjust. I always try to look for positives out of negatives. So we're going to work, move forward, whatever we have to do, ordering takeout, putting on the mask six feet apart, that's fine. I, Eli as long as we have sports as long as we have something we have the NBA we have baseball getting ready for the NFL I can deal with it I just I, I can no longer watch ping pong and, <laughs> and other sports from you know esports I can't I need more in more insight and I need more stuff to do if I do that I'll sit here in a bubble if I have to in order to make it happen
0: I am completely with you That has uh, basically been my 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 main thing as well it's just long as I've got sports most importantly football to look forward to I'll be good I could be inside all you want if I got football to watch and you know live NBA and all that I'll be good so let's just hope everyone will finally start listening wear a mask and get sports back to the way they are and the way they're sh- the way they should be um and now i mean we've we have we have a lot of great questions and everyone who sent in a question this week as always i appreciate it and i hope to hear from you all every week so let's just jump right into it mike with our first question and this one comes in from facebook from craig w what do you think of stefan diggs in buffalo do you still see him as a reliable wide receiver too
1: Do I see him as a wide receiver, too? Yes. Do I see him as reliable negative? His yards per target last year was 12.1. In 2018, when he had the best season of his career, it was 6.9. That tells me... That that is not sustainable efficiency for what is basically a feast or famine guy now listen He's with a more erratic QB and Josh Allen He's coming away from Kirk Cousins Kirk Cousins last years was at 70% completion percentage if you combine both seasons pretty close Yeah, I think John Brown is an issue Cole Beasley is going to be there as well Take some of the short to intermediate targets Dawson Knox. I think could take a step forward. They're still a run first team I love Diggs as my wide receiver three if he was my third wide receiver I I'd be completely overjoyed, but I do not want to rely on him as my wide receiver too, particularly in leagues that start three wide receivers because I'm not, I'm just not trusting the erratic nature. Every wide receiver has some volatility to a certain extent, but digs can be hot or cold. And with Josh Allen, it's going to take a while with a wide receiver changing teams for him to get acclimated. I'm not getting him a lot in drafts. If he drops lower than right now in FFPC best ball leagues. he's like wide receiver 27, then that's tight end premium, so he's probably going to be a little higher, like wide receiver 23-22. I'm probably not getting a lot of Stephon Diggs. Listen, I understand that the week I go against my arch rival, <laughs> he's going to have three touchdowns, 200 yards. I get it. Automatic. But I don't want to have a guy as my second wide receiver where I just get the three for 50 weeks. And he's also a little fragile as well.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Diggs has always been someone that concerns me like you said for sure early on in his career he dealt with pretty consistent injury problems. Seems like he's gone over that a bit, but like you mentioned, he's a very boomer bust kind of guy. He's the kind of guy who one week will get you 24 points and the next will get give you four points. So that was in Minnesota with a mostly consistent Kirk Cousins. Now you put him in Buffalo with Josh Allen who, yes, he has an extremely strong arm and I'm sure they'll they'll connect on some deep balls throughout the season. But like you said, I mean, it's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be that consistent. I think week to week, if you're looking at him as a wide receiver two and you need to start him, that's going to be pretty scary. I, I have right here almost exactly what you said. If I could have him as my flex or as my wide receiver three, I'm very very happy because so he gives you a ton of upside in that position. But as your wide receiver two, someone you have to rely on week in and week out, Digs me, it definitely makes me a little bit nervous. So, so I'm you with give me,
1: to Eli, to give you an example, I'd much rather have Jarvis Landry who's being drafted about 13 to 14 spots later because I think I get more consistent volume. I know I'm not going to get the 30-yard bombs, but I want that consistency there from that position, that wide receiver too.
0: Yeah, definitely, and for sure in PPR for Landry. I think Landry, like last year, there was so much hype about OBJ that Landry got pushed all the way down, and people don't even realize that Landry actually had a considerably better season than OBJ, and his ADP really hasn't changed. He's still going very late in draft, so I think that's a great point. Landry is someone I will probably be targeting later in drafts because he shouldn't be going as late as he is. But moving on to our second question, and this one is our first email of the day coming in from Bobby. He wants to know: Is Hunter Henry still a surefire tight end one without Philip Rivers on the Chargers?
1: You know, I I think Henry is okay with Tyrod, but I'm a little nervous about the usage. I put a tweet out recently, and I looked at the R-squared value for those tight ends that are going between ADP tight ends 6 to 12 since 2016, right? Mm-hmm. And what you see is the tight ends 1 through 5 for the last four years are, are pretty pretty correlated, 0.69, 0. 0.44, 0. 0.59. But the values for the tight end 6 to 12 and 82 ADP, which is right where Hunter Henry is, there is almost no correlation. So I, I think he's fine, I feel like he's getting drafted where his ceiling is right now, right around tight end six to eight. I think he's usually going around there, eight or nine. But I'd rather wait to get a later tight end with a later ADP and have what I think is a much higher ceiling. I don't think Hunter Henry is going to be the tight end for this year. I don't think it's in his range of outcomes. So why he's a safe draft. But it's not a position there if I'm waiting on. I might as well wait a few more rounds later and go for a TJ Hawkinson, a Janu Smith, a Mike Gusecki, something like that, because I think that the upside is there and the risk is less because I'm getting a, a him at a later 80 pick.
0: Yeah, I I hear you on that. I mean, Henry is someone that, with Phillip Rivers, I mean, I, I loved him. I drafted him all the time. It's just so, I mean, as long as he's healthy, of course. But when he's on the field, he was insanely consistent with Rivers, but like you said, I mean, it's it's a different QB now. Rivers wasn't just a good quarterback, but he was also known very, very much for his love of throwing the ball to the tight end. So that's going to change a bit. And Henry, I agree. I don't think he has the highest ceiling. I think he, he's going to be someone who's very touchdown dependent. Like on the average week, he could have four catches for 40 yards. But like if he doesn't get in the end zone, he's not going to do a lot for you. And I think this year more than any other, not only is the tight end class probably the deepest it's been, even at the top But I also think there's at least three, four, five really solid high upside guys you could get in the double-digit rounds that could end up having very similar-looking numbers at the end of the year to Henry. You just have to hope you pick the right one. But I'm with you on that, that Henry, right now where he's being drafted, I really do think that it's at his ceiling, and I don't know if he's going to hit that ceiling, or at least not the same ceiling it could have been with Rivers as it switches now, but One quick question. You mentioned uh, him with Tyrod. Does that mean you expect Tyrod to win the job over Herbert?
1: I do, especially with COVID and having the limited preseason, which we heard yesterday that an offer was made to have no preseason games. They're not going to start Herbert right away in that situation. He was not a guy who they expect to come in and start right away. There are flaws in his game. There's a lot of upside, a lot of potential. But Tyrod is a veteran. He knows the system. He's the safe choice for the Chargers. And remember, everyone starts zero and zero. Hmm. So everyone's trying to make the playoffs and win a Super Bowl. And the Chargers aren't going to throw Herbert out there because I think with a short preseason, he's going to probably struggle. So, yeah, I think Tyrod, he'll start, I mean, how many games? Five and a half, six, somewhere in there. But to start the season, I I can't see them throwing everything in Herbert with no preseason whatsoever.
0: Yeah, uh, agreed. I mean, if they completely cancel preseason, I don't think – I mean, maybe Joe Burrow would be the only one starting day one. He'd probably be the only one. I mean, you can't – even let's say if Tua would would be healthy in Miami, you can make the argument it's worth putting Josh Rosen out there, give Tua a couple weeks. Because, yeah, you can't throw a rookie QB in week one without any preseason, with a very strange training camp that – probably won't end well, so I agree with you on that. Probably well, and
1: Eli, st- we all want to see Fitzmagic. Right? By the yeah, way,
0: right? <laughs> I just had this conversation with, with my brother saying, what are they going to do about Fitzmagic? And he's like, what do you mean? They have Rosen and Tua. Why would they even keep him? I'm like, what do you mean, why would they keep him? He's Fitzmagic. You keep him because he's magic, and he's, I am a huge Ryan Fitzpatrick fan, so I love that you said that, and I really hope to see him again this year because – He's just fun he's just fun to watch he's exciting even if he's throwing pick sixes as long as you're not playing that defense it's pretty fun to watch so i love ryan fitzpatrick i hope he does start week one and uh two could definitely learn something from him because i think he's pretty underrated but either way moving on to our third question this one coming in via twitter from at mo underscore burko what do you make of the new denver backfield with philip lindsey lindsey and melvin gordon uh, how do you rank them, and how do you see the touches being split up?
1: This is a tough one. I would really like Lindsey if he didn't fall out of favor with the coaches as the passing down running back last year. Had the third most drops of any RB. He was a big-time receiver at Colorado out of the backfield in college. 53 receptions as a junior. He's got the 4 4 40-yard speed. He should be a great satellite back, but Gordon's there with the pass-catching ability as well. If Gordon if, I feel like if you draft Lindsey, you're hoping for a Gordon injury. Now, that's possible because he does break down at the end of the year, but it's not something I want to bet on. It, I see zero RB drafters in the Scott Fishbowl Bowl and other drafts I've done recently go for Lindsey, and I think if you're a zero RB guy, this is the type of player you want. Just like we talked about passing on Henry and getting you know a tight end or two late, if you're going with a zero RB format, you're going to draft a bunch of Lindsey and Zach Moss, and, and player and Tariq Cohen and players like that. But outside of that, I, I just don't see the point. Yes, he could blow up and get the goal line touches like he did last year. But they used Royce Freeman as the passing down back. So really uncertain with Lindsey on what his role is going to be. So I'm, I'm probably going to pass.
0: Yeah, um, I, I have a very similar uh, feeling towards this backfield. I just don't know what it's going to look like. It's one thing if we had some preseason, some training camp, maybe we get an idea. But... Right now, I could see Lindsay and Gordon being rotated on a constant basis. You're never going to know who's coming in when. And it, I think it's just going to be a headache. Uh, Gordon, I think, is is the better suited to get the goal line touches. Gordon is also a great receiving back. So it leaves Lindsay in a tough position. But at the same time, Lindsay showed so much talent in Denver as an undrafted free agent. I don't think they just put him on the bench behind Gordon and just say, you're done. So I think both of them are gonna really hurt each other's upside. So to be honest, I, I'm probably gonna avoid this this back backfield altogether. If one of them falls late, and like you said, you know, I, I, just, I the board falls where I go with a zero RB strategy, they could be someone I target late, but I don't think I'm gonna be jumping at either one of Philip Lindsay or Melvin Gordon. I just think it's too risky knowing how that backfield might break down. And Our fourth question today comes in from Facebook, from Cody, and he wants to know, how how would you rank these three running backs? Kenyon Drake, Leonard Fournette, and Austin Eckler.
1: Drake is tops for sure for me. Last year in the Arizona games, those eight games that he played, 62% of the rushing attempts, 61% of the rushing yards, 14% of the targets, and 35% of the total touchdowns. So I understand that it's Kenyon Drake and – you may be, you know, concerned about him because he never had 900 rushing yards in a season. But you know what? I will take it because at that point, you're looking for volume. And assuming health, which is what you're going to assume with all these players, unless you have somebody who has a huge history of injury, which Kenyon Drake does not, he's the guy who's first for me. I like Eckler, especially without Gore. Same reason, with, uh, especially without Gordon, rather, because same reason for me. If you look at the Chargers last year, when Austin Eckler started those four games without Gordon, now listen, he didn't get a ton of rushing work—57.8% of the attempts, 53% of the rushing yards—but boy, did he light it up in the passing game. 17% of the passing attempts he got when he was there he got 25 of 145 in those four games. He got 23% of the rushing of the uh, receiving yards, rather just unbelievable job by him and 60 percent 60 percent of the touchdowns he got he got six of the ten so eckler even though he's small in stature he's so versatile i will take him no problem i have an issue eli with fournette i don't know what it is maybe it's the fact that he and the coaches are always at odds i understand he had 100 targets last year i understand he was used a lot and listen it's a shallow depth chart for quell armstead I just can't buy into Fournette like I can the other two. He's very polarizing because a lot of analysts go with the regression. They say, you know what, what are the chances they only gets what, like two touchdowns like he got last year with all that volume? I just question whether they're going to they're give him that volume. I, I can't buy into it. I like Eckler's versatility. I like Drake's versatility. And we've never seen Fournette be involved in the passing game like he was last year. So part of me thinks that's an anomaly. Jay Gruden comes in. He brings Chris Thompson I'm going to put Fournette last, and I know that's probably not a popular opinion.
0: Um, I actually, I mean, I agree with you on Fournette being last. I mean, he does have this, I've been noticing, like you said, he is very polarizing. There's a, a huge part of fantasy Twitter that thinks that if he gets the same work, there's no way that that touchdown number doesn't jump up to, you know, maybe eight or, or close to ten, and then you could be looking at a top five running back, but... You still have the injury issues. Last year, it wasn't too much of a problem, but his early in his career, he was constantly plagued with issues, and he's just playing on a bad offense and potentially a bad team where they probably won't be in a lot of positions where they're leading and feeding him the ball. So I agree with you that I would, I would take Fournette last here. I struggled a bit with Drake and Eckler, but at the end, I came out the same as you with going with Drake first. I mean, looking at the Cardinals' backfield in total last year, It was one of the most productive backfields in all of fantasy football, whether it was David Johnson in the beginning, and then it switched over to some Chase Edmonds, and then it ended off with Kenyon Drake. Regardless of who it was, that offense was extremely productive for running backs. So Kenyon Drake, if he could stay healthy, he should have a great year. And then Eckler, like you said, I mean, it's all about the passing work for Eckler. And if you're playing in PPR, I think Eckler needs to be ahead of Fournette just based off how many balls he's going to catch. The running work will be interesting, how they split that up with him and Justin Jackson. But I think Eckler, he's just a playmaker. We've seen it year after year. He gets limited touches, and yet he's somehow always on the fantasy radar, always effective. So I like Eckler this year. But just uh, out of curiosity, when it comes to these three running backs, where would you put Aaron Jones in this group?
1: Oh, geez. Uh, One more thing about Eckler, quickly. Of course, I I don't like change. So Tyrod Taylor coming in in, instead of Rivers, who's immobile, I think could affect his receiving as well. They also drafted Josh Kelly. Joshua Kelly could absolutely cut into some of the rushing work. So I don't like when Gordon was out last year, and it was just him and Justin Jackson. He only got 58% of the rushes. That's why I ding him a little bit with Drake. You have Kyler Murray back. He performed last year in the second half. There's more consistency. Aaron Jones is fascinating. I understand here Eli that Aaron Jones is going to regress I understand 19 touchdowns he converted a lot of them he didn't get a ton of the rushing attempts I understand all that but I think the regression for Aaron Jones is baked in I think Jamal Williams is a trade or a cut candidate they own two million dollars that's not a ton of money they did draft AJ Dillon but going back to what I said earlier no training camp limited preseason COVID, the whole thing They're going to go with Aaron Jones. Everyone remembers the Dallas Cowboy game where he was the overall RB1 that week. So yes, he's going to regress. But I put a tweet out here about Aaron Jones. I I understand that people are nervous, but when you're drafting in that area and you're talking about a running back that was so efficient last year, people don't want to chase the efficiency, but he could regress so much and still hit his value. I see him dropping back now. What does he drop back into the the mid-second round, that sort of area? You You could actually take Aaron Jones. You could drop his rushing yards by 15%. You could drop his receiving yards by 15%. You could drop his receptions by 25%. And you could take that unsustainable touchdown efficiency and drop it in half. And he still would have been the PPR RB 13, which is right where he's being drafted right now. So let's assume Jamal Williams is not on the roster, or let's assume A.J. Dillon is slow to acclimate, and let's assume that Aaron Jones gets decent volume like he did last year, and by the way, he's the best receiving back on the roster in a wide receiving depth chart that is minimal there, <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to sustain his value. If he was going in round one, like RB6, no, that's too high. But right now, RB13, you're telling me Aaron Jones is going to go from 19 touchdowns to not an RB1. That's a precipitous drop. I would put Jones probably right with Drake.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to hear you say that because the amount of slander towards Aaron Jones this offseason has been immense. I mean, every other bust article I see is headlining Aaron Jones. And like you said, there's no doubt there's going to be a regression. No one scores 19 touchdowns year after year, but exactly like you said, I mean, if you took away 9 of his touchdowns, you cut it from 19 to 10, he's still finishing his RB9. So, I mean, we're almost talking about cutting his touchdown production in half, which is essentially the biggest number that everyone wants to talk about when it comes to regression. Cut it essentially in half, he's still a top 10 running back. So, if you could get him in the middle of the second round, I'm jumping over that on, on every mock draft I've been seeing. I'm getting him. And
1: Eli, here's the beautiful part: how many lead running backs on teams are also the two-minute drill back?
0: Exactly. He's and also that's the... what
1: he. It's rare. So I get it. He's not going 70% of the carries. But he's going to get opportunities. And if you think the Packers are going to regress and they're going to go to more of a running team, I get it. But there are ways to get red zone carries besides the one-yard line, which is what people are concerned about with A.J. Dillon.
0: Exactly. And, yeah, I mean, Aaron Jones, he showed how effective he was last year anyway around the goal line. A.J. Dillon's definitely a bigger body, but it's not like the Packers have any worry about lining up Aaron Jones at the one or at the five or even at the 12. I mean, this guy, he, he got it in inside the red zone. I mean, he was scoring every single week. So I'm with you on that. I really like Jones this year. I think the bus the bus talk is way too overhyped. He'll regress a bit, but he should still be a position to finish as an RB1. And now moving on to our fifth question, here's an email coming in from Sarah. She wants to know, when is the absolute earliest you would draft your QB1? Assuming, of course, that's Lamar or Patrick Mahomes.
1: I'm not going to get an early quarterback. I'm not going to draft Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes this year. If they got to round three or four, would I consider it because there's a precipitous drop with the running back? Sure. Absolutely. But that that means I'm not getting him. I'm going to wait on quarterback. I'm going to target Josh Allen. I'm all on Josh Allen's season this year. Give me eight rushing touchdowns and 28 passing touchdowns, and I'll take it to the bank I'm fine with waiting on quarterback. I love Matthew Stafford. He was fantastic last year with, with Bevel as the offensive coordinator. So I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on quarterback. I want to hit running backs early with a robust RB format. I don't like going to those quarterbacks in your traditional one quarterback starting league. Superflex, different story. But early on, I'm going to avoid quarterbacks. I love Patrick Mahomes. I love Lamar Jackson. I just don't want to spend that early round draft capital when I can get myself a really solid running back.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm fully with you. i am always been a firm believer on waiting on QB, and this is coming from someone who had Lamar Jackson last year. and. So
1: did I, yeah. Yeah,
0: and he almost single-handedly won me my championship. But I, I know that almost with 99% certainty, I'm not going to be drafting Lamar and Mahomes this year because I'm just not going to spend the capital – when, like you said, you could get a guy like Stafford in the 12th round, who last year before he got injured was on pace to finish as a top five quarterback. So it's like, how much value are you really gaining from Lamar and Mahomes to Stafford as opposed to a running back you could get in the third round and a running back you're getting in the 12th round? Like, it's just not, it's not comparable to me. I understand, like, I again, I had Lamar last year. He was dropping 30, 40 points a week. It was amazing. But you can't expect that every single year. There's got to be some kind of regression. And regardless, QB is just so deep that I I just I'm not going to be drafting one of them. Like you said, like they... you could you could take Teddy Bridgewater late. Exactly. I mean, you got
1: Carolina's defense is not good. They're in a division there with the Saints and the Falcons and the Bucks. You could take Teddy Bridgewater, assuming he stays healthy, he's going to have like 50 pass attempts a game there. Yeah. So I, mean... I I can't justify it. Lamar or Patrick Mahomes would have to repeat. The year from last year for Jackson, or two years ago for Mahomes, to justify it, and I, I'm not going bet on that.
0: Exactly those those years were just. I mean, they're not necessarily anomalies, but they were they were insane, and to expect it again is a bit much. And like you said, I mean, you could even get Aaron Rodgers in the. I, I did a mock draft there. I got Rodgers in the 11th round or Matt Ryan yep. in the 11th yeah. round, like. Like, these are great quarterbacks. There's just no reason to jump at Lamar Mahomes in the second or third. I get the excitement, but I'm with you. You gotta wait on QB. And and here comes our final fan question of the day. This one comes in from Jonathan, and he's playing in a ten team half PPR league. So he wants to know who are who are a couple, maybe two deep, deep sleepers that you think you would target in that format. Ten team half PPR.
1: When you're looking at sleepers in that format, you're not looking for safety. When I go for late-round players, I'm going for the boomer bust player because I'll get enough of them, and I'll hope that one breaks out. Can we remember that Curtis Samuel is only 24 years old? He goes 4-3-1 in the 40. Fantastic athlete, 5'11", 196 from Ohio State. He had horrific quarterback play last year. DJ Moore is the alpha. And Christian McCaffrey gets a lot of targets, but for the value that he's going at wide receiver 55 56 You can take a flyer on him and he absolutely can be usable in like I said an offense That I think is going to have to throw a lot and is going to be in high-scoring games go over Indianapolis I love Michael Pittman Frank Reich loves Michael Pittman and the Receiver on the Colts is yet to be determined. There is no Eric Ebron there Jack Doyle is a, a safety blanket but a substandard athlete mm-hmm. I know they're going to run a lot but T.Y. Hilton is the wide receiver one who I like but he certainly is a, a person who's injury prone so here's Michael Pittman who could be a, a red zone target he's a big guy Zach Pascals who he has to beat out enough so mm-hmm. Michael Pittman right now wide receiver 62 he is essentially free and with Philip Rivers who's going to throw and is not mobile I think Pittman is a nice dart throw as well I understand Derrick Henry over a player profiler my friend Matt Kelly he has a picture of Zangief okay the street fighter of mm-hmm. Derrick Henry so I guess he can't get injured but Darrington Evans is right behind him and he profiles as everything you would want in a backup running back who could step into a major role remember last year they're very run heavy and they always will be but it's AJ Brown as the receiver John o. Smith I think is a nice late round uh, tight end that you can get but at 5'10", 200, with 441 one speed from Appalachian State, Darrington Evans is a guy who could be the third down back if Tennessee suffers some, some negative game script. He's the player that's going to be in there because I don't think they use Derrick Henry a lot, even though every time he catches a reception, he goes 70 yards <laughs> for a touchdown. Yeah. But Evans is a running back. You may want to stash late if you have a deep bench who could really pop and be like, a, like Deion Lewis used to be for the Patriots there. For Washington, I love Darius Geis. I bought into Darius Geis, but Antonio Gibson there is a player that's very interesting right behind him. He did not have a ton of work in college at running back. He was primarily a wide receiver, a gadget guy in Memphis, but he's got 4.39 speed at 228 pounds. So if you're a zero RB guy and you're you're uncertain about Geis' health, Antonio Gibson is a guy I'm looking at as well. And finally, I will go with Tariq Cohen. David Montgomery truthers are strong, and the people that hate him are also strong, but Tariq Cohen has improved his targets and his receptions each of the past three years. Last year, he was third among running backs with 104 targets. He had 79 receptions, that was fourth. This is a player who's explosive, who needs to be used more often. Now Nick Foles is there, there's gonna be some competition. He did not have the touchdowns and did not have the production as a rusher last year, but he's a great gadget guy, And if you're in a league here where you're getting half PPR, Tariq Cohen is available super, super late. So I'm looking for players here, Eli, that you can grab late, take a couple of them, watch the first couple weeks, and see which one pops.
0: Yeah, I mean, in in a 10 team league, when you're talking about sleepers, I mean, a 10 team league isn't all that deep. And I think you could get, like you said, if you're going for sleepers, if you're drafting, you're already in the double digit rounds, you got to go all upside. There's no point in in, in safety. Yeah, Yeah, and safety, you know lottery tickets after the 10th round you want to go for upside and i love the call on evans there in tennessee because derrick henry i mean do people expect him to just run over people play after play after play for 16 games again like i love derrick henry but at a certain point he's going to need some help he's going to need another person in that backfield and evans could be that guy and then i also really like i liked gibson coming out of the draft i think he's really really talented once he gets the ball in his hands if Washington is smart and uses him creatively, I think Gibson is a very good call because Geis, he might have all the talent in the world, but unfortunately the guy just can't stay on the field. And if anything happens to him, Gibson could immediately be in a really good position to have a have a breakout rookie season. So I like both and, of those and, calls.
1: Yeah, and ask yourself there with Kelvin Harmon who tore his ACL, who are the receiving options for the the for Washington? Steven Sims I certainly like. And, of course, you got F1 Terry McLaurin there. But there's really no tight end of consequence. Antonio Gibson, it's not far-fetched that he could be their third-best receiver. So he's that perfect type of satellite-back hybrid. And if guys gets hurt, I know they have Peterson, but Gibson could be a real nice Swiss Army-type weapon.
0: Yeah, definitely. For sure in PPR leagues, I mean, I think he's going to catch plenty of balls. Like you said, they don't have a lot of receiving options there. So I think even if guys manages to stay on the field, Gibson will still have a role. But... For sure, if anything happens to Geis, I think Gibson immediately becomes someone who everyone's going to be adding. So it could be, you know, if you're drafting, it's one of the last rounds, you want to take a shot, take Gibson, and it could be someone you're really happy with down the line. A couple of guys I was looking at, you have Packers tight end Jay Sternberger, who I think sure. is is interesting. Like you mentioned earlier, he's one of these late round tight ends that that has a lot of upside, but also a lot of unknown. So he didn't really get to play it all last year. He finally came back for the playoffs, he showed some flashes, caught a touchdown in the championship game, and like you said earlier regarding Aaron Jones, the Packers are moving to almost more of a a run-heavy kind of scheme, a lot of tight ends, a lot of play action, and that should benefit Sternberger a lot, so... He's not, he's not in any kind of lock, but if you're sitting there in the 12th, 13th, 14th round and you realize you don't have yourself a tight end, or maybe you drafted Gronk and you're not sure about his health or what he'll look like after being away for a year, I think Sternberger is an interesting late-round target at tight end. And then another guy who almost broke out last year would be Deontay Johnson for the Steelers. I think this year with Ben Roethlisberger, Expected to be back, I think Johnson has the chance to firmly take hold of that wide receiver two position on the Steelers, and have a good year because we all know when Ben's healthy, there's usually two fantasy relevant receivers on the Steelers, and James Washington has had plenty of chances. I just don't think he's as big of a playmaker as Johnson, so Johnson's someone I'm going to be looking at late in drafts. I mean. He was scoring nearly nine points a game last year. He's being drafted as wide receiver 46. I mean, he's essentially free. So I think Johnson's an interesting look at the end of drafts.
1: Yeah, Johnson's great. If Ben stays healthy, that entire offense is a value. But he's got to stay healthy. The three the, the uh, three torn tendons in the elbow concern me. And, of course, Juju Smith-Schuster looks like he's in great shape that's the key. If Ben is there, almost every, value in Pittsburgh, every player in Pittsburgh is a value.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And also, you got to talk about James Conner, just about how late he's being drafted right now. So, Big Ben is really the key. If he's healthy, I think all of those players are going to get amazing value because they're all going a little bit later because of the unknown on Ben. So, I totally agreed. If he's healthy, you're going to get a ton of good values on the Steelers' offense. And now... Before we get to our game of On The Clock, we're just going to take a quick commercial break. And we're back here on AMA Fantasy Football. And before we close out the show, Mike, I thought we'd play a quick game of On The Clock. So basically, I'll just give you the names of two players with similar ADPs, and you're On The Clock, and you you have to decide which one you'd pick. You need this position. These are your top two guys left, and who are you going with? So... Let's start in the first round, top of the draft. You're on the clock, and your top two guys left are Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry. Who who are you picking?
1: Uh, I don't like to hold out with Cook. He also still has the injuries. He has a huge, threatening backup in Madison. There, I'll take Derrick Henry if he stays healthy. He's automatic, especially in standard as well.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you. On. I mean, I think it's it's a tough choice. Both of them make me nervous for different reasons. Cook, injury wise, Henry just like at least PPR-wise in the passing game, but I think Henry is safer. He's just he's someone you know he's going to get the touches, he's going to get the carries, and if he stays healthy, he's just a beast. So I like that. I would probably go with Henry over Cook. And now moving over to wide receiver. You need a wide receiver, you're on the clock, and your top two options are Kenny Galladay and Mike Evans. Who are you going with?
1: I'm going Kenny Galladay all day. When he had Matthew Stafford, he was tremendous last year. On pace for like 14 touchdowns, I believe. Mike Evans is feast or famine. We saw it last year with Winston, who is a DGAF quarterback. He will throw into double coverage. He will throw it up for grabs. Tom Brady will not do that. The last time I saw Tom Brady do that was with Randy Moss. So he's not coming in at 43 years old to ruin his interception <laughs> low interception rate by chucking it up to Mike Evans. Evans does not have yards after the catch. He's very feast or famine with Winston. The first two weeks last year, everybody hated him. Then he had the big breakout against the Giants, and he went back in a slump again. I'm taking Kenny Galladay. Love the offense. Love the passing. Super athletic. I know he only gets like 73, 75 receptions, but he gets those, as my friend Rich Rebar says, the high cholesterol saturated (laughs) fat targets. And that's what I think is is the difference here.
0: Yeah, I hear you on that. Evans is uber talented, but you got to look at – the quarterback and the offense and I just see Godwin being a better fit for Brady's play style than Evans Godwin in the slot short yardage quick throws that's Brady's game right now Brady's game isn't throwing it 40 yards downfield to Mike Evans and that's really what Mike Evans is I mean he's always been a bit of a boomer bust receiver at the end of the year you always look back and he had a good season but it is with a lot of weeks of just disappointment and Galladay if Stafford's healthy. Yeah, he'll, like any receiver, he'll have a couple down weeks, but I think he's going to be a lot more consistent. He's the clear number one target, and he, he's just ascending. He's on the way of breaking out as one of the best receivers in the league. He just needs Stafford to stay healthy. So as long as that happens, I'm with you. I'm going to go with Galladay over Evans. And now on to tight ends. So as I mentioned before, it's it's got to be one of the deepest classes in recent memory, if not the deepest. So a lot of tough choices overall at this position. Let's say you're in the middle rounds. You haven't drafted a tight end yet. And I know we discussed them earlier, but you're picking a tight end there. Who would you go with, Hunter Henry or Darren Waller?
1: Oh, boy, two guys I do not like. Wow, <laughs> that's a good one. Gosh, I'm going to go with Henry. There is. I have uncertainty with Waller. I know he had a really good season, but you have Henry Ruggs there who I have – complete irrational thoughts for I'm not sure how that offense is going to go Waller is a guy who did not have anywhere near the sort of production in his career reeks of Justin Forsett to me I will take the security of Henry because I don't I think there's a, a greater chance that he does not bust
0: I, I yeah I can't argue with you that Henry is most likely safer he just has a better track record of doing it but I, I would personally go with Waller here I just think that Looking at, first off, you have Waller sticking with the same quarterback who we know likes to throw to the tight end and Derek Carr. Henry will be dealing with the new quarterback this year. And then also, I mean, Waller last year finished as tight end four, and he only caught three touchdowns on 108 receptions. I I have to expect there to be positive touchdown regression coming for Waller. So even if he doesn't match his 108 receptions from last year or his 1145 yards, I think that touchdown number is going to go up and it could eventually balance out even if it takes a dip in receptions and yards. I just think Waller is just more of a playmaker. Um, Henry Henry definitely has the higher floor, but if I'm looking at these two, I'd probably go with Waller just because I love picking for upside. That's just how I draft. Um, and then finally, last but not least, we have quarterback, of course, and Let's just say you waited on quarterback, as you should, as you've mentioned that you should. And now the top two options on the board are Carson Wentz and Matthew Stafford. Who are you going to go with?
1: Oh, Stafford all day. Carson Wentz has been, in my mind, a disappointment outside of that 13 games that he had in that MVP season. People love his talent. They love his arm. They don't have a lot of weapons there. I don't know if Alshon Jeffrey's even going to return. Jalen Rieger's a, a rookie, so again, we talked about the slow accumulation. I love Dallas Goddard on the Eagles, but it's Matt Stafford. Give me Stafford with the passing. Stafford has high upside. It's a pass-first offense there. The Eagles do have Miles Sanders, but I, I just I don't buy into the Eagles system for fantasy. I think you have to be careful. Zach Ertz is great, and Goddard I think is undervalued, but – I do not see Carson Wentz with QB4, QB5 upside. I don't see it, guys. I I don't know what you're missing, but unless he gets a couple wide receivers, I still think we're living off the Super Bowl year. I think this is an easy one. I'll take Stafford.
0: Yeah, I mean, Stafford for sure is safer. You have the track record. Every year, he's just a reliable fantasy quarterback. He's not going to be the guy that's going in the top five, but you know you could get him late, and he's going to return that value and usually even more because the Lions are always trailing. They're always throwing. And Wentz, like you said, I love the talent, but for some reason he can't stay healthy. And then even when he is healthy, outside of that, I believe, 2018 season where he was just insanely good, it really has been pretty underwhelming. He has some big games, but a lot of games it's just like 14 fantasy points, 12 fantasy points, 16 fantasy points. Like, not not overly great. And also looking at, like you said, the Philly offense— it's like they added a bunch of receivers, but none of them are really that great. And then you have Alshon Jeffrey, who you mentioned might not even return. Even if he does, he's been injury prone. He really hasn't been all that effective for a while. Deshaun Jackson has also been injury prone and not very effective. So you're you're talking about you know a rookie in Jalen Rager who's gonna have no preseason. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, who we all know is nothing but you know a gadget deep ball kind of guy. So. I think Stafford has the better weapons, and I just think he's safer. So I agree with you. If you're picking late and you're waiting on quarterback like you should be, Stafford is definitely the safer option over Wentz. And, and Mike, that's it. Those are all the fan questions. That is on the clock. I am so appreciative that you took the time to come out onto the show. And just before we go, I want to know if you have any closing thoughts on the draft, fantasy, the NFL, anything going on in the world today, uh, just something you can leave the fans with.
1: Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Eli, for having me on. It's an honor. love talking about it. It goes by fast. Folks, just follow the rules. Wear a mask, do, uh, complete your social distancing whenever you're there. We're going to beat this thing. We're going to be back to normal, but it's going to be the new normal and we have to be cautious until our medical professionals can catch up with a vaccine and a treatment plan. So we're there. I think we're, we're close. Getting the NFL back would be fantastic grab a fantasy league jump on a best ball get involved because it passes the time and let's sit back and really enjoy the season but but do the right thing be considerate others and, and wear a mask
0: yeah i totally agree everyone it's really not that hard just wear a mask especially if you want football and more importantly i guess people to be safe and mike just before we go where can everyone find you on social media and online and all your great work
1: Follow me on Twitter at Randall Rand. I'll try to get back to everyone that that shoots me a, a tweet there, so follow that. I host the roto Fantasy Football Mailbag, which drops Roto-Biz Radio on any podcast uh, place that you have that you listen to it on Friday morning. So we're going to have another one this week with Ben Gretsch. Uh, Action Network, I have all my articles up there. If you like college basketball, I do the Screen the Screener College Basketball podcast with my best friend, Gus Kearns. And we end up doing a lot of college basketball hoops the whole year through. So also work at Roto Underworld and last word on pro football. So wherever there's a place (laughs) you can find me, hit me up there on Twitter at Randall Rant.
0: Yeah, everyone, you heard it here on Twitter at Randall Rant. Mike does so much great work for the fantasy community, football, basketball, everything. He's all over the place. So make sure to find his work. And as always, before we head out here on AMA, I just want to remind everyone listening that we will be answering all of your questions each and every week. Just hit us up on Twitter at AMA Fantasy, or you could email us at amafantasyfootball at gmail.com. Stay safe, everybody. Have a great day. We're out.